वेलकम टू सन टॉक सिन टॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टूडे डिस्कस द पाथ डिपेंडेंट पाथ्स विल थिंक अबाउट पाथ डिपेंडेंस ऑफ आउटकम्स इन सेवरल फिजिकल एंड सम सोशल डोमेन्स अंडर वॉट कंडीशन एंड फॉर विच काइंड ऑफ प्रोसेस आर फ्यूचर एंड पास्ट इंडिपेंडेंट ऑफ ईच अदर वाई इज इंट द वर्ल्ड रैंडम एट ऑल लेवल्स एट लार्ज when do initial conditions do and do not matter why do local traps exist can systems lock into some inefficient states by chance how are physical and self referential social systems different and similar what role does time play in making outcomes path dependent and are there some generalizable insights into how complex systems can be directed to particular desired end states you're pleased and privileged to have two sin talkers with us here today professor vivek borkar he is an electrical engineer by training and works at the interface of applied probability in optimization both at the level of theory and algorithms is currently at IIT Bombay and Professor Shrikant Shastri who's a physicist and works in the area of statistical mechanics and soft matter physics with an interest in glassy systems and phase transitions is currently at GNC ASR in Bangalore So Vivek why don't we set the ball rolling with you um at a somewhat general place to understand what kind of systems are path dependent and what kinds are not and we can start in a general place and then we can make that complex as we go along Okay the uh, some of the features which you mentioned remind me of uh, Brian Arthur and uh, his colleagues work on path dependence in economics paul so david we, and brian arthur yeah so we will start with that mm. so there the idea is that you have some kind of uh, typically a nonlinear and stochastic dynamics mm-hmm. and depending both on the con- initial condition you start with and uh, the random noise mm-hmm. you may end up in one of the multiple possible equilibria so there are some uh, technical results regarding that for example if the noise is rich enough Uh, you can argue that uh, you won't uh, latch on to an unstable equilibrium in a technical sense mm-hmm. so, but uh, even then the stable equilibrium so there's a link between richness of the noise what do you mean by rich enough you mean st- yeah, so what is rich is, noise yeah it has to kind of uh, perturb in all possible directions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you are being so typically unstable does not mean that uh, see stable means that if you if you are, the dynamics is nearby it will converge to that point that's right unstable does not uh, it's just the negation of that so it's possible that there are some directions which are stable it's the negation of that is not the opposite of that yeah it's not the opposite right right so it right. doesn't imply that all directions are unstable there may be some stable direction along which you will ac- you can actually approach the equilibrium mm. Mm. so mm. but the, if there's a noise uh, pushing you around in all possible directions then if you are on that stable direction you will get kicked out often enough to move away is there a way to understand this vivek what can there be an example of rich noise if it's if it's If if you no, mean that in a technical sense, it's fine. No, but no. Is it there... simply means that there's noise in all directions. So suppose you have a, a three-dimensional vector. 
Mm-hmm. There should be some noise in all three coordinates. Got it. Got it. Got so it. Suppose, okay, suppose it's X, Y, uh, and Z. Got it. And if there's a suppose, noise only on the X axis, it's yeah. not. Then it's not why and the, you, you can, uh, it may be stable in the Y direction, say. Sure, sure, and sure. And it may still converge to the unstable equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you need certain hypothesis regarding the noise to um, sort of jiggle around the trajectory. Mm-hmm. And then you can uh, show that uh, true results to the effect that um, you will eventually escape. The, uh, with probability one, you won't hit the, an unstable equilibrium. Mm-hmm. So that uh, a priori means you can worry about uh, only stable equilibria. Of course, for people like me, that's very useful because many of our algorithms, <laughs> it so happens uh, rather often that uh, the undesired equilibria are the unstable ones. So you don't have to worry about that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's but beautiful. even then, you may end up with too many stable equilibria and then... Uh, so one, uh, then it depends on. But are there, sorry, just sidetracking a little bit, are there situations or contexts where the desired equilibria are the unstable ones? In other parts of physics or elsewhere, or maybe you could just keep that at the back of your mind and we could yeah, get back it to it, whichever not, way. Uh, see, uh, it's possible, but then you, uh, you will need an external force to enforce it. Hmm. Because the dynamics itself, even with the smallest pers- perturbation, will get away from it. Right. Right. So in, it has to be a controlled system. So there's some uh, there's an external input which you can. Uh, so it's not just uh, autonomous dynamics. You you can force it to remain somewhere. Sure. Sure. At some cost, typically. Sure. 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 So we do consider problems like keeping it near a point while minimizing the energy to required to do so and so on. Sure. So we've discussed the idea of multiple equilibria, but yeah. that still doesn't tell us entirely why. Some processes might be path dependent and some not, right? Yeah, so for, for this Brian Arthur Paul David scenario, I think by path dependence, they simply meant the dependence on initial, initial condition conditions. and noise. Hmm. Hmm. And they assume general noise model, so this, uh, uh, the system may not be what we call Markovian. Right. But the main aspect was just the fact that it was there was noise and not, not the specific uh, uh, what kind of noise. And this could manifest itself in, of course, and some of these analogies may be a little false or too general, but it could manifest itself in social systems as well. Yeah, in fact, he has several interesting examples. Some are uh, amusing, though not uh, uh, perhaps useful. One, one, of, one <laughs> of the more amusing examples in one of his popular articles is a counterclockwise clock. He gives a photograph of, I think, it, if I don't remember the exact uh, date line, but probably 11th century or something, uh, clock in some... Old church in Italy, right? Which went counterclockwise. Apparently, clocks could go either way, right? And at some point, people got used to clocks going clockwise, and uh, now we're used to it. Yeah, yeah. There are some non-trivial examples. So then that can hold for the QWERTY keyboard. That yeah, yeah. So that's the, a non-trivial example right. because QWERTY keyboard is not ergo- apparently ergonomically the best. Does the but even that is a contested position, now, is, is it? it? Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yes, but the the uh, so I think he mentioned something called some system called Dorak, which uh, that's probably Dorak the, keyboard. Yeah. Yes, but, but even then, this guy called Leibovitz who kind of argues in the oh, opposite okay. direction. That's fine. But one one important thing, uh, looking given the times we are in now, hmm. there's one thing about uh, uh, about the origins of QWERTY keyboard, which is outdated now, is that it was a mechanical keyboard, and some thought had gone into not uh, keeping two letters close to each other if they're likely to follow each other very often. That's kind of very relevant now because these are electronic keyboards. But uh, people are so used to the QWERTY keyboard that it's not going to... And also in typewriters, you know, so that they don't didn't, didn't get entangled with each other in the mechanism behind or something to that effect. But yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the mechanical components. Uh, That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. They had to go and hit the paper yeah. or whatever with the stencil. Hmm. 
why don't we why don't we go to your world shrikant and you know i think there are some interesting questions there which we'll continue to delve into um but is in in purely physical systems or in physical system that you control under some conditions or laboratory conditions or otherwise does what does the word path dependence mean are there other physical systems which are markovian other physical systems which are distinctly non markovian and so on and so forth what's happening there okay so for the kind of systems that i typically think about which mm-hmm. are physical systems which are in some kind of uh, thermal equilibrium or right. not and that the second part will come to in a minute um you know so a lot of the lot of what vivek was saying translate in uh-huh. fairly straightforward ways because uh, uh the the noise in any thermal system is the noise at the microscopic level that's induced by temperature right that that uh, and and that is in fact it gets to be modeled that way when you write dynamical equations for properties that evolve with time right and and uh, and do you have this problem with rich noise and non rich noise the way we were talking about there no because uh, typically sure. uh, one could one could think of examples which sure. would be different but typically um, thermal noise uh, affects all degrees of freedom right so it is in that sense rich, rich. noise so yes. there's no um, but you know one one has an occasion I mean there there are problems where one talks about noise which is different from this sure right? but uh, that's not the generic case and and so the the notion of stability that one would think of here is the stability of some distribution over possible states sure and and it's the distribution that becomes stable so the the idea is that a thermal system will continue over time to explore some domain mm-hmm. of possible states mm-hmm. with certain frequencies mm-hmm. and it's that frequency distribution that becomes stable so this is what you call thermodynamic equilibrium right right and right. and uh, and i guess the difference um maybe it's 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 not a difference but as as i heard it um stable states uh in this context uh are are uh there's usually a, a unique stable state when when you talk about a thermodynamic system um but uh but is there an angle of sequence so we i i think let's let's say we understand the idea of initial conditions we understand the idea of rich noise or noise but what about the sequence in which uh, a system or a process may go from one step to another is there does it have to do with the sequence at all or it doesn't matter at the microscopic or mesoscopic levels that you may be operating at no so for thermal systems uh the idea of coming to equilibrium mm-hmm. uh, means two things mm-hmm. right one is uh where you come from doesn't matter and the other is how you come doesn't matter right, right. um and and so this is sort of uh, uh standard thermodynamic equilibrium right where you say take a system impose certain conditions on it and you give it enough time um 
it'll come to some state which is the equilibrium state but they could unique. come there along different paths but so long as the initial conditions and the noise let's say in an abstracted sense are the same they could come there via different paths but they would get to the same end state right hmm. so hmm. um the two things one can think about here right one is um if you look at any physical system microscopically mm-hmm. right uh then it's in fact very very rare that two things that start out differently follow in fact the same uh paths okay mm-hmm. um but um uh one uh, in, in the context that i have in mind one doesn't necessarily think about that situation sure but rather Uh, the evolution of some averaged out properties right and and uh, so there uh, there are it is possible that things sort of evolve more or less in the same way right 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 and why does it happen the way? please go ahead with me i just wanted to underscore one difference between the model she's talking about and the uh, brain alpha kind of scenario sure so in his case a statistical mechanical model like global dynamics or whatever it's there's a persistent noise in the sense that it's kind of the transition mechanism is stationary you go from one uh, time snap uh, snapshot to the next the same kind of dynamics the same level of noise Uh-huh. Whereas this Brian Arthur kind of models, there is something like a, a, a law of large number for dependent random variables. So what's happening is that noise is slowly decreasing. Uh-huh. That's why you actually see convergence. See, he sees convergence to a stationary distribution. It's still random. It has not converged to a point. It's not point convergence. The distribution converges. That's right. Whereas in, in these mo- the models I was talking about, actually it's the process, one state. Yeah, process. It's one con- or a few converges, states. Yeah. to one of the possible states correct so, so here there is convergence to a, some kind of a probability distribution curve or or yeah but are, are, are there other situations of this kind in the physical domain as well where where you converge to a state there must be several right so um well with with a probability no, of one so but there is a slight semantic issue here sure uh, uh, which is uh, when you say state right uh are you saying that the state means like a microscope as yeah, i would call point, it a point in the phase space whereas a point yeah. in phase space okay um a point in phase space right so sure. the, the phase space is sure, sort of sure. the full possible detailed description of the system sure. so this rarely happens in 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 thermal systems uh you so but but when you have an equilibrium distribution mm-hmm. you do talk about it as corresponding to a state right so we should be a bit careful about <laughs> so shikan does the number of variables matter you know what i mean so i mean when we talk about initial conditions we could say that pressure is so and so and volume is so and so temperature is so and so um so whether or not let's say a probability distribution curve has an equilibrium or whatever some kind of stability um if 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 does it matter how many number of variables there are and what does it influence whether or not stable or meta stable states exist so i mean i i have to answer that in at different Please. levels so the first uh, simple level is you know the two broad camps of number of variables right okay. one is 
as we were discussing the full face space mm-hmm. right and the character of dynamics as you would describe it in that case is very different mm-hmm. from everything else that we might talk about mm-hmm. yeah? so for example um, you know because in a cl- okay in a classical system that is a system that is described by classical mechanics which is typically many uh, degrees of freedom are frozen many de- no many degrees of freedom but but they obey newton's laws sure right so then uh, you know that uh, if you specify initial conditions right in fact the the system evolves uh, in a manner that is that could be talked of as as markovian in the sense that any state at a given time determines the future, the future and yeah. and you don't need to know anything beyond so you mean in, like in a projectile past. motion and things of yeah. that sort so hmm. uh, but you know the same thing applies to the molecules water molecules in that bottle right. except there are huge numbers of them right um so but when we talk about something like the volume or or the you know at a given density sorry at a given temperature and pressure um but is that because the number of variables is too high or that's because the uh, value of those variables cannot be known in a determinate kind of way and they themselves are you know them in an inexact kind of way or in a probabilistic way do you know what i mean yeah so um okay if you go historically mm-hmm. um i mean there were there were a lot of back and forths but uh, uh sort of the while you were thinking in mechanical terms people right. somehow uh, you know between maxwell and boltzmann made mm. this gestalt switch where they began to think about distributions right right and uh, uh if you if you were to sort of have a mechanistic view of what might be happening mm-hmm. what you say is indeed if you look at a system there is a well defined microscopic state and if i know it at any given time then i can predict the future sure right and but then you can say two things one is that even over very short times mm-hmm. this trajectory sort of sweeps the face space in a manner that is a good sampling right 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 and a good sampling of what if you ask that question then you say it's a good sampling of this invariant distribution that describes the state right 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 so and why that happens etc will probably take us in a different direction sure but um but what you want to sort of describe the system in terms of mm-hmm. is a small number of variables mm-hmm. like volume in sure. what you asked um which you imagine uh are sort of averages over trajectories and these averages of rather good over relatively short intervals of time mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and uh it so does are, are we talking about ergodicity here what are we talking about well i i was uh i had that Uh, well I, i didn't no i didn't explicitly think about ergodicity but ergodicity naturally comes into this discussion right right um, right which is the second part I, i i didn't go into sure right so that over time the system will visit all the states sure that that have equal 
So again, if we take a step back, Shrikant, and you know, let's go back to the same question: Is there a way to say why some processes are path dependent and some not? No, one just continuing from what you were saying. See, one way path dependence can arise is, as I said, you you have some very complex system with a very large number of variables. Sure. And you, you can measure or observe only uh, a subset some kind of, of aggregates thereof. Hmm. And then you are losing information, which means that when you write down the dynamics for the smaller number of variables, you are essentially averaging out over what is not seen. Right. And that can introduce memory. That right. Can introduce uh, kind of path dependence and non. Uh, you can move away from the Newtonian picture. For example, in thermodynamics, you have non-reversibility. Right. Whereas the molecular level, the dynamics, uh, Newtonian dynamics, is reversible. Right. Right, right, right. So this is one phenomenon. But uh, in general, for example, in our engineering applications, you are trying to control a system. You observe only a part of it. So we have to, we distinguish between state and observation. Of course, you can consider both of them together and the state and observations as just part of the state. But what happens is that you have to estimate what you don't see. Hmm. And uh, then you got of course ideally make it into another Markovian evolution by looking at. Evolution of conditional probability distributions, but that becomes hairy, yeah. except in some very simple Those cases like calmer filter and so on. Mm. There are some well-known success stories, but they are limited. Mm. So essentially, it becomes kind of a, something with a memory, and then you try to approximate it, and uh, it becomes a difficult system to analyze in general because of path dependence coming out of lack of observation. So um, I just want to go Please. back to the question that we started this discussion. Which is there's a number of variables matter, yeah. And I think um, the answer from everything that we said is it it matters at at a fairly fundamental level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That the descriptions, as it appears, when we look at all the the variables that one could possibly have in a problem in a physical system versus uh, a macroscopic description, uh, they they look different. And and some of the features that are of interest, like path dependence and like memory, enter actually at a at a description that is macroscopic or aggregate, right? Mm. And and um, but you know, I I think so. Just to be a bit clearer about what we mean by path dependence, right? Mm. Again, uh, for the kind of system, thermal systems that I'm talking about. Um, one could sort of, you know, uh, I guess one should ask the question, does the final state under given conditions which are static depend on depend on path as in uh, where I start from? Right. Right. That's one way of asking. Yeah. Right. Does the final state depend on the initial state? Exactly. Right. And there actually the answer even in this, in this sort of relatively simple-minded situation that I'm talking about, uh, is yes, right, and um, and it turns out to be. So, what kind of systems? And you know, I think Vivek spoke about the notion of memory. Are there systems that we can understand as having nearly perfect memory, where looking at it in a state of equilibrium or some kind of a meta-stable state or whatever? Can is there a way of deriving the initial conditions? The initial, but the initial conditions. Um, yeah. So, the what 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 does one mean rather when you say that a system has memory? 
I I think there is no I mean at least as I understand it simple mindedly there isn't a single answer sure and so in fact when you ask that question the onus is on the questioner to be precise what they sure. mean right sure um and and uh, because um okay so the 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 situation that i was about to talk about where mm-hmm. in some sense the memory is perfect uh is is when you have uh multiple equilibrium states or distributions for the same given conditions okay right. and this happens uh in a very familiar situation which is when you have phase transitions right yeah so if you look at uh water at 100 degrees right uh at atmospheric pressure right then you have a situation where there are in fact two possible uh states that the system can be in Mm-hmm. which are perfectly symmetrical mm-hmm. and which one of them you end up with mm-hmm. is a, uh, a matter of initial conditions and it's perfect in the sense that i can draw a line and say if you started out on this side you'll always end up here if you started out on this side you'll always end so up so what here. are these two conditions at 100 degrees and at atmospheric uh... well so if you st- i can tell you so very simply if mm-hmm. if you started with a liquid mm-hmm. which is either at a lower temperature or a higher pressure mm-hmm. and bring it down in pressure or up in temperature to this point mm-hmm. you will be in the liquid state which has high density right and conversely right so i can sort of in fact the phase transition boundary is the boundary and you're saying it's a robust boundary it's a robust robust boundary right, so right. In, in in that sense the memory is perfect but if you have in mind a definition of memory that um uh, is is supposed to recapitulate everything sure. that happened sure sure no this is not perfect memory this is very imperfect memory because sure. it's a many to one mapping sure sure right sure so sure. um in in that sense the question will have to be more right specific to talk about memory or not right 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 and are there if other other game theoretic settings uh, vivek where uh, again essentially the question is the same one right i mean does does learning have a role to play yeah, does so that's one explicit way of uh, bringing in memory dependence so now uh, so far we have been talking about agents which are kind of autonomous i mean they just they follow some phys- uh, law of physics which is there's no sense of agency yeah, i mean there's no yeah. choices being made exactly right so once the agents start making choices then they have to uh, again there's a distinction between control theory and game theory from uh, uh, control means this one uh, typically one agency trying to control something and you assume that the environment is either known or unknown in a well defined way so there's some noise or right. you are not observing all the st- variables and so on right but uh, the environment so in control theory essentially you change one variable yeah you are trying to dynamically adapt one variable to um, optimize something sure but game theory uh, is, uh, there's no f- environment out there everybody else is your environment Right. so what you are somebody else's environment so what so you i influence the environment and the environment influences yeah, exactly. me in turn so so that becomes a much harder problem and typically the uh, i mean the explicit solutions are generally not there except for some zero sum and some simpler situations 
So what one looks for is the learning model. So the standard, particularly from this bounded rationality kind of paradigm from economics, uh, people think of incremental mechanisms where you just try to tweak your decision variable a little bit at each time. Right. With low computation overhead. So you, I mean, the uh, sort of uh, turn of, uh, not this century, last century, uh, early last century economics was to think of everything as a big optimization problem. Right. <laughs> that assumes you can, <laughs> either, classical uh, yeah, you can store all the information and compute as well in your head. Right. And that's, uh, so this kind of departs from that. So you have limited computational facility and, um, yeah, so, and you can uh, so just take only small actions. So with that, uh, can so you... So you're taking decisions on an as-you-go basis as yeah, opposed exactly, to doing... based on your observations and um, uh, tweaking your decision variables a little bit. Hmm. And then you look for what it converges to. And uh, so that kind of tries to capture the what kind of equilibria you will get. So that sometimes there's some positive results in this respect in the sense that um, something called stochastically stable equilibria. So th these are... Nash equilibria, so that's the standard paradigm for non-cooperative games. Right. And what uh, this Foster and, and Young, two economists, they came up with this notion, wherein they added some, no they came up with a game theoretic dynamics, borrowed from biology, in fact, called mm -hmm. uh, replicator dynamics. Mm -hmm. And they added noise to it, mm -hmm. and then let, uh, looked at the stationary distribution, let the noise go to zero, and uh, tried to identify which equilibrium it concentrates on. Wow. And mm. uh, that mm. uh, narrowed, the, uh, so the problem with Nash equilibria is that typically there are too many. So this, this sometimes at least in some example gives a unique one. If not, it narrows the search quite a bit. So this is a non-trivial improvement over the classical Nash So this is a theory. result or a method? This is a uh, basically a mathematical result. Mm. And that mm. has been refined and people have worked on this kind of things for quite some time. Mm. Mm. It's, it's a selection mechanism to choose one a few among several possible equilibria. Mm. Mm. So it's mm. a well-known, well-defined branch of applied uh, probability called large deviations theory, particularly the variation due to Friedlin and Wenzel, which allows you to do this. Right. It tells you that these points will be minimum of a certain potential that define in terms of the dynamics. So I have a question here in the, in the context that you're talking about, and I was trying to uh, formulate what I thought the answer was, and I was not very sure. Um, so, you know, when you talk about control versus game theory, right? Um, so, um, you have in mind, there are the details of what, how many variables are, are adaptive or, or modifiable. Yeah. That's one aspect of it. But, uh, do you, in both cases, uh, always assume that there is an optimization function, or um, as you know, many models uh, sort of represent? What you actually model is some notion of differential optimization between choices. But is is that something that you can talk about without I mean, a simple way of talking about it is if I have an optimization function. But can one also, or does one also talk about this in the absence of a, a, a well-defined optimization function? See, the difference between, uh, so the framework I was talking of has, uh, assumes existence of some optimization function or performance measure. The difference between control and games is single agent and many agents. 
I understand. So, but uh, there's also work on multi-objective. Uh, departs from a single objective function, then you cannot simultaneously optimize all of them. So then there will be some. Uh, I mean, people have criteria. They, for example, this uh, notion called approachability, which again economists it came from statistics, but economists have also been using it, where you specify. A, you can't say that you want to minimize or maximize something. But there are several things you are simultaneously looking at. You, you are given some set of acceptable performance and you try to push things there. That, that's one possible model. So, no, the, the one context in which this question comes to mind uh -huh. uh, is, in fact, uh, evolution, since you mentioned some biological uh, inspiration for some of the work, um, where I think there are sort of generally accepted notions of differential fitness. Right, so right. you, you, you relative. Come, relative, sorry, yeah. I, I use in differential in that sure, sense. Sure. So I can always say this is fitter than this, just in terms of let's say reproductive yeah. fitness. Right? Yeah. Um, but of course, if one has a global optimization function, right, then you can say this is to be derived from that function, right? But could one sort of think of this also without yeah, without without uh, re reference to some global optimization function? Because certainly in the context of evolution, if there is an a, a global function, we don't really know no, that's uh, an easy way of describing it. Yeah, yeah. No, the yeah. dynamics these people start with doesn't presuppose any optimization function. So uh, the, the, it's simple dynamics actually. So there's some payoff function defined. So for, suppose there are... Uh, n species. So there's a payoff function for ith species as a function of the current population uh, profile. Right. And uh, the dynamics simply says that um, suppose pi is the fraction of population i, then pi dot by pi is proportional to excess of i's payoff uh, versus the i's payoff minus the population average of the payoff. That's it. That's, that's the dynamics. No, no. So, so there's no optimization function as such, but there's a special case where what's called potential games. There's some something called potential function in the background, but that's a special case. But the dynamics is general and the notion of the what these guys look for, namely evolutionarily stable equilibria, that's a sort of the counterpart of, or rather, a, that corresponds to Nash equilibria in the biological setup. And that's a, that doesn't require, that just requires this payoff function for the population. That's not the same as saying, a, Optimization function. But, I want to ask a slightly different please. question, which is, it's fine that in order to formulate the problem, you don't need to have a payoff function, uh, an optimization function. But is there sort of a well-understood statement mm -hmm. to the contrary, that you could write down these evolution equations, yeah. uh, which involve notions of relative optimization, in the absence of a uniquely definable optimization function. That because and that's sort of I think right, right. important for the question that the broader I mean, in question. In a sense, that we're in a sense, about. if there was no element of chance, would something like evolution or evolutionary processes be entirely path dependent? See there are I mean there are some other models like fictitious play, etc. within game theory, which are also learning models where you try to keep track of the empirical behavior of the other guy and respond to it. That automatically involves memory because you are just responding to the observed behavior of the other person. But are they are, are these systems intrinsically indeterminate or not not determinate rather? 
in the sense that if if you start with the same sets of beliefs and behaviors mm-hmm. um it would go to the same end state if 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 there was no element of chance i think any deterministic dynamics would be determinate in that so i mean the only thing they need not go to an equilibrium for example these biological models are there Uh, yeah. In general, they don't don't have to go to an equilibrium. Yeah. So they can have. They're very, always in some state or the other. They're not. Yeah, they're uh, they can have chaotic behavior and so on. Mm. So in fact, the biologists look at different issues. They don't look at equilibria. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that that's, I, I shouldn't say that that's not the most interesting thing for them. Right. <laughs> they look for something called persistence. Right. That means the trajectory is bounded away from the this dynamics on a probability simplex. They don't want any component to become zero. That means the species does not become extinct. Extinct, right? So th- that's the kind of thing they're looking for. They're uh, right. not necessarily equilibrium. Right, right, right. right. So, for example, right. the simple predator-prey model. I mean, it's, it's uh, sort of oscillates. Correct. So these are these are natural things for them. Correct. Uh, Correct. If it went to equilibrium, it would be something unusual. <laughs> so, but they don't want it to one species to be exterminated completely. And is there is there is there something fundamental or deep about the role of time? whether in physical systems or game theoretic systems so depending on the amount of time available does the outcome change yes the simple answer is yes time is um uh, so the answer is yes i think the interesting question of course and as an extension to that is why why does time play such an important role in what what outcomes there are so um i think one way of thinking about it mm-hmm. um is to think of the time available as a constraint okay. as a resource or right and a constraint yeah and and uh, yeah conversely right um uh, so and 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 okay so now why does that matter um uh, so the, to take the simple example that i was telling you about mm-hmm. which is you know water or vapor right in equilibrium Right. Now this happens at a very special point, right? So if I go on either side of that special point, mm-hmm. one of the two states becomes preferred as the true equilibrium state. Right. 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 But the thing that's important for us is the other one is not sort of so far behind in the sense that <laughs> it's, that it's, it's also a reasonably good equilibrium. Okay. What does that mean? that means that it can last for a long time right yeah but eventually it'll it'll transform to the true equilibrium state so there um what the answer to the question of what you end up what state you end up in apart from initial conditions is also a matter of how long are you willing to wait yeah okay yeah so and and then now like i said in in thermal systems the kind the way you pose at least the simple problems is an environment that is static hmm. right um, environment is static right yeah. but if you make it you can obviously and you want to make it more elaborate so if you now sort of talk about the environment that may also be time dependent yeah then um the response time of the system becomes a a fundamental uh entity that you have to deal with right and and in the presence of multiple possible equilibrium states even if they're not entirely equivalent right their existence um 
and combined with the time of observation makes them very relevant and and this notion of time or this notion of time the resource or conversely a constraint does that vary depending on whether you're at the microscopic level mesoscopic level macroscopic level like would would time play a similarly significant role if uh, you know one kind of gets it at the somewhat larger systems level where there are lots of gas molecules or whatever floating around and it needs yeah. time to discover its state or move to one one of your few meta stable states but is the behavior similar at yeah so i mean to my way of thinking all of these questions become interesting and non trivial only at a macroscopic level because microscopically <laughs> it's, it's the story is very simple right you right. Uh, you tell me the initial conditions you And tell I'll give me you the final yeah, conditions so this is right. i mean it can be a little bit uh, less trivial than that if in in fact uh, there are time dependent forces and so on Some and you know we were talking about this notion of learning uh, with vivek a while ago shikant is there such a thing as learning in purely physical systems as well are 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 i mean it's a stupid question clearly and i, I recognize that but are physical systems game theoretic in any sense no because they don't have a sense of agency so they're not making calls but so i mean it, in a in a sort of a very deep and general sense i think the answer is no in the sense right there isn't a, a deep positive answer to that question sure. right <laughs> but you can certainly think of physical systems which learn in some fashion mm -hmm. uh and this uh, um again somehow is related to this separation of uh macroscopic versus microscopic variables where you know um uh you can imagine situations where like some interactions become stronger by them existing over time right so the system is is learning in that sense that you know certain fluxes for example could could get enhanced yeah yes i really. want to make one comment about time scales mm. so i think what matters to us is the time scale on which we live so something which <laughs> is slower than that is uh, not very relevant for vastly slower than that may not be relevant and secondly something which you know is transient but it's roughly uh, it's on time scales relevant to us can matter a lot so uh, i was reminded of one talk i had heard by one australian mathematician there was um, um, a, a fairly good model of certain vortices that build up in indian ocean and kind of they travel towards atlantic right and apparently that's a major source of energy flow right and they eventually dissipate so it's a transient phenomenon sure but they, they are on a time scale that it affects our annual weather pattern right right so the this uh, time dependent or transient phenomena do matter right so in a sense we're talking of all of this in the context of complex systems is it possible to move complex what are the conditions or methods or ways of moving complex system towards desired end results is is there a way in which we can think about it in terms of methodologies approaches to 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 achieve something of this nature see one thing certainly is to try to identify key aggregate variables because you cannot handle 10-24 variables and so on. Right. So try to uh, like our economic indices or whatever. Again, then one can challenge how accurate this or that is, but sure, that's the best we can do. And uh, try to again. Uh, fortunately, the computational capabilities have been uh, sort of exponentially building up. 
Mm. So things we are completely unreasonable earlier are coming within reach. So that's the hope. I think we try to identify, try to model well, identify the correct variables and try to predict. So a lot of this, including this um, increasing return economics of uh, Brian Arthur and several... See, uh, some, some of the complaints have been that they are descriptive rather than prescriptive. It, yeah, they don't have enough predictive power uh, like the classical optimization-based models. Yeah, they describe, they don't explain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, to build predictive abilities into this, we will need finer analysis. So, the meta-stability or the quasi-stationary behavior, uh, try to estimate time scale for how long it will remain here with what probability. If one can, imp- and uh, there are a lot of people working on such things now, so... Once these kind of tools build up better, it will be, uh, I think that that can help. See, one one thing where I, I, again, I'm not an expert on this at all, but just talking to, for example, Amit Apte and um, such people in uh, ICTS and so on, the atmospheric people seem to have some success in handling. I mean, again, that's perhaps the last frontier, the most yes. difficult area. Yes. But uh, they are uh, making, uh, compared to where we stood or, uh, maybe a decade back or something, they seem to be making lot of headway, that's the impression I get. Now, headway in what? Control in the weather? No, at least predictive power. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up with better predictions. No, but I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think so uh, there, is, there is, of course, is there, a, there is probably no way in which you can say that, you know, I want the temperature day after tomorrow to be 45 degrees Celsius. No, see, for example, you probably cannot predict, a, uh, uh, you cannot uh, prevent a typhoon, but perhaps you can predict it two days ahead and move the people away. So, that level we might get. But I, but I, I, but I, th- I thought this was, uh, sorry. Um, yeah. No, but this is a case where, I mean, predicting better just means, you know, uh, something that's that's a quantitative, but yeah. not a qualitative difference, yeah, quantitative. right? Because I, I think it's well understood that the weather is a chaotic. a chaotic system, and and however well you do, it's a matter of you know, uh, the logarithm of some small number before you you are actually as badly off as you were before, right? Uh, so, but, um, no, but I think what you were asking is yeah. whether if, if we have in mind a final state, yes, uh, in view of there being many possible states. Yes. Can we can drive we towards that state? Guide the system to that state. So, um, I think... And before we go there, I mean, weather is entirely Markovian? See, the, of course, it depends on Markovian maybe, if you take a large enough state space, but uh, effectively not. If you take not. T from zero to minus infinity, then everything is Markovian. Everything just depends on... It's just uh, too high dimensional and too sensitive to initial conditions. So, as you said, the chaotic dynamics... Even in few dimensions. So when you say initial conditions, in a way, the conditions today or the present moment in time t equal to whatever that is becomes the initial condition. Yeah. So the chaotic systems are characterized by the fact that uh, they are very sensitive. You change initial conditions slightly, uh, the whole thing can... They can the be very large can, deviations. Yeah. In yeah. The, so there's this uh, so-called butterfly effect. Some butterfly flaps its wings somewhere. Sure. It can cause a typhoon somewhere else. So sure. This sure. kind of thing is possible. So... Uh, for such systems, it's definitely very hard. So, uh, I guess one tries to do what one can. I mean, it's theoretically hard. Uh, I, mean, I would say there are bounds on how well you can do it. Hmm. So, hmm. Hmm. so I, I guess, I mean, just to clarify, in, when you talk about the weather, see, if, if you look at air, right, yeah. as, a, as a microscopic system, yeah. 
there it's always chaotic right uh, so but i i in in the context of fluid dynamics the idea was that if i do treat it as a continuum uh-huh. um, at that level of description where i am coarse graining you know like large chunks of uh, air into what i call a point in in a fluid dynamical description there the question is whether it can be a, a deterministic non chaotic system or not and, and 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 the current understanding is even at that level of description yeah. it yeah. it continues to be chaotic in behavior there are other systems where it, this is not the case right so uh, there are other systems where at that kind of a macroscopic description there could be uh deterministic yeah yeah, yeah. and and yeah. so um so one um slightly different again from minecraft of the woods example um that i could think of where you could ask this question mm-hmm. is uh you know if I, if i'm trying to design some material mm-hmm. and i want it to be in a particular structure mm-hmm. right uh then i could ask um can i can i make it go you know can i make it go to a specific make it go, end go state. to a specific end state and and uh now um there are sort of two kinds of situations mm-hmm. right one is let's say there are uh what you might like if if one is thinking of crystalline states mm-hmm. right let's say we have what is called polymorphism right right so there are many different possible crystal crystals right each of which is locally stable right. so let's not worry about metastability sure what is the true equilibrium we just treat them as all equal sure right then uh, depending on which method that that i use mm-hmm. right uh, i may end up going to different crystals different in, structures in a deterministic right? way more or less okay uh, but uh, okay so in this case um usually the you know in principle one can figure it this out so if i start from the same let's say uh, mother solution right and i do a i go to this if i do b i go to this right um um so there you can sort of say that you know what gets selected out uh is a matter of protocol Mm-hmm. right what so what do you mean by that what i mean by that is that maybe um okay let me give you a very simple example sure huh, which doesn't which is in fact used in memory devices so it's not a bad example um so you have these uh what are called chakogenite glasses mm-hmm. which are used in optical disk drives and so on and and they basically can exist in a crystalline state uh or uh, an amorphous state mm mm-hmm. right so what you do is is uh, basically if you heat it up so that it melts like a pixel melts sure um then if you cool it slowly it goes to the crystalline state whereas if you cool it very rapidly it goes to the glass <laughs> right and and this is actually used it's a, it's, a, it's something that that you use in memory devices so there is an, a very simple minded example of protocol right how fast you cool 
how fast to let it uh, heat up and cool down and that is a and function only of time well in this example it's uh, you could say that in the sense yeah it's how fast we're talking about how fast um and uh, but it could it could involve other things right but now i wanted to sort of mention this but contrast it with the other possibility mm-hmm. which is probably more along the lines of examples that we could think about which is if i said you know um i'm actually going to pick the right molecules so that i always go to this particular state right so in other words i could pose the question so if i think about this enough purely materials context i could either say i want a particular desired structure uh-huh. that i know exists for a given substance uh-huh. and i just want to figure out how to go there deterministically right predictably right. right so that's one way of asking the question the other way of asking the question is to say how should i modify the interactions between the molecules or the molecules themselves so that i get this predictability right yeah. and and this is actually in in a general context this is uh, learning and adaptation uh but even in sort of uh non sentient <laughs> context like materials uh, you could think you know people talk these days about adaptive design But act- even in a pure material context rikant is there yeah. a way of introducing something which is the equivalent of noise the in the sense in which uh, and driving it towards well the noise is always there to reckon with i i think uh, so but noise in the sense of control noise in the sense of something which contributes to it going to to a specific end state so i mean like i said in 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 it's sort of fundamental to any thermal system that there's always mm. noise mm. at one level so that is a given hmm. but you know one could sort of think about other ways of introducing noise as in uncertainty of what you're doing to the system can be thought of but uh no, but i i just sort of what i was what i was saying is i mean that i think in pretty much all all analyses of um looking at equilibrium states noise is there in one fashion or the other and then you are asking about robust equilibria typically yeah but uh, what i'm saying in terms of guiding a system towards a particular uh, yeah. state yeah. um yeah. one one is 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 to sort of one is i guess basically you could call this control a control approach which is the protocol dependence versus an adaptation approach where you change the system the learning approach i guess the, these are two very broad ways in which you could try and answer that question right right and does 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 time play a role in game theoretic systems i know you kind of mentioned bounded rationality and you know limited computational abilities desire whatever um but is is there are there interesting enough results which are even somewhat deep in the context of game theory which 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 have something significant to do with time 
there's certainly this behavior, this quasi stationarity namely that you are in certain behavior for time scale so long that uh, although notice. they are not technically equilibria uh, you may not worry about uh, ultimate equilibrium anyway because in your lifetime this is what you are going to see so this considerations certainly are there then another thing i perhaps should mention is that uh, we are also assuming see these are typically distributed systems several edges etc and simply the delay in transmission of information can make a big difference so even simple differential equations for example if you put delay they can lead to something which is not oscillatory can become oscillatory and so on <laughs> so just the fact that uh, there's a delay in inf- uh, information gathering etc can cause uh, non trivial change uh, in the qualitative behavior but this effectively is changing it to a non linear problem yeah right? i mean essential becomes infinite dimensional rather it becomes a, because the way we what typically analyzes that the treat the delay is a constant t then treat each inter- trajectory of window of 0 to t as a sliding window as the state so yeah, it's a trajectory valued process so, so in um, what context one, could something like this be understood at all i mean when you said introduce delay no in engineering it's uh, common because uh, suppose uh, i am controlling something here and the measurement is done somewhere uh, else mm. and it transmitted across some channel which takes uh, take some time to mm. reach mm. that automatically introduces delay so mm. one has to contend for uh, no so it's, it's in, very interesting you mentioned the word channel because i was sort of trying to butt in to bring that up <laughs> uh, because uh, see i think you know so uh, i mean you can sort of take as broadly applicable statements that uh, in most cases when you talk about alternative possibilities sure uh, there is some kind of a time frame that one has in mind where it may be relevant there could be of course special cases where there are alternatives that are strictly equivalent right but uh, certainly in the physics context that i am thinking about it's you it could have an asymptotic kind yeah. of uh, but but character. what yeah well no but you know you can sort of say that there are different possibilities hmm. over a certain amount of time sure right but the but a useful way of thinking about it is um that the the transition from uh, let's say less equilibrium or metastable state to a stable state would happen when certain processes take place through certain channels right and and through certain a, channels is through certain channels a channel in a right. specific sense in, well yeah it could be a channel of energy flow you know right. so you could you could think of or information flow i guess is what uh, he was talking about and and uh, so one very useful analysis even if you know so we we like in in the context that i deal with mm-hmm. this question of if it is not equilibrium does it really matter you know this kind of question comes up often especially when you talk to purists right uh and 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 in the field and uh even if the matter of principle answer is clear mm-hmm. i think it's very interesting to ask you know what if some things could not happen what are the what are the equivalent possibilities that become available and 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 i think you know so you can in fact map the finite time problems into sort of problems with constraints right right and and then they're actually legitimate 
stable solutions that you could be looking at. And I think that that kind of analysis is it's very good for, uh, in fact, developing insight right. into what's really going on. Right, right, one, right. One of your earlier questions, I was just reminded of something. So you said that whether can you control or drive a system to an equilibrium. Yes. So one, just by uh, looking at the dynamic phenomena, one thing one learns is that, uh, see, first thing, uh, stable e equilibrium, it sounds like a very positive statement. It doesn't mean anything. So there's like, for some economists <laughs> said that... It doesn't mean better equilibrium. Yeah, exactly. In fact, <laughs> equilibrium doesn't mean, need not mean anything e equilibrium good. Equilibrium has a very... Yeah. So, so there's some e economists said that a corpse is in equilibrium, but you wouldn't want to exchange places with it. <laughs> So, uh, so the sort of somehow it, the just the choice of the words makes it feel like something, uh, it's something good, something virtuous yeah. that it's but, and, desirable uh, to be in a yeah, state of equilibrium. A, so the social or economic inequality, whatever we see, it is an equilibrium. <laughs> and one thing you learn is that because it is stable, it has this self uh, kind of stabilizing property. It's a, some, let's think of it as a minimum of something. You move, move the point away, it will come back there. Collapses to that. So moves you in that have direction. to force it away. It won't gently, it's unreasonable to ex expect that you can gently nudge it away. Yes. So yes. one can actually make a case for uh, things like affirmative action, etc. Because uh, these are kind of self-reinforcing mechanisms. It's not, a stable equilibrium by definition is a self-reinforcing mechanism. It will keep coming back to it unless somehow it's, it, uh, some non-trivial force is required to push it away to some other equilibrium. Yeah, so this is uh, related to this question about whether you can be stuck in inefficient or suboptimal conditions. And the answer is clearly yes. Mm. And, and, and to get out of it... So why don't we end with this? Is there a way of... So when you say... So it just needs a crazy amount of energy? Is that why it doesn't happen? You have to go over an energy barrier. Huh? That's yeah, you have to go... Exactly. So you need a lot of energy. And that's <laughs> another flip side of it. It's a high-dimensional phenomenon. So there are several equilibria. Some of your neighboring equilibria could be worse than the present one. So, right. So there's also this... Uh, but how can that be? No, no. See, that multiple equilibria. Suppose this equilibrium... Suppose I want to minimize something and a certain equilibrium is at a certain level. There's another certain equilibrium at a better level on right of right-hand side and certain at a worse level on left-hand side. So you run the risk of when you introduce new variables, affirmative actions, you can act... You run no, the no, risk of tipping into... Any worst territory, any kind of abrupt. Uh, see, there are enough examples of revolutions leading to what works worse better? outcome than before. I mean, so, that, what that works better for you as statistical mechanics people, game theory people? Abrupt is better, gradual is better. Again, clearly, I don't expect it to. There's have. no clear answer, but I think one has to find a middle path. Only somehow have a good judgment in the matter. <laughs> I can think of. No, I think. Uh, uh, as as he was pointing out, the the issue is not of abrupt versus gradual, but if you have an idea of what is it that you want to go to, right? And and if you can apply the right kind of uh, forces from the outside to move in that direction, yeah, uh, yeah. Th that's uh, then then you achieve the the goals that you're. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, I, I think so. Um, so the way of lowering energy barriers, to use this metaphor a little bit uh, further, is uh, please you make it simpler is, to is, move from one state to is another. by making it simpler to move in a certain direction. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, 
but I, I don't know if there is a clear, but all that said, I don't know there's a clear answer to whether abrupt change or gradual is better. That's good enough. I think that's a good note to end this on. Thanks to both of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again. Thanks. Take care. Thank you.